Welcome to the Faith and Grief Podcast, where we explore the intersection of faith and grief. I'm your host, Shelley Craig, Program Director here at Faith and Grief. We hope the conversations and interviews you hear offer you some comfort and hope on your grief journey. Faith and Grief is a nonprofit that provides grief support programs online and partners with local organizations to offer our programs for their community. We offer monthly drop-in grief support gatherings, grief workshops, and getaway weekend retreats. Find out more about all our programs and this podcast at faithandgrief.org. On today's episode, we'll be speaking with Rochelle Weinstein. Uh, Rochelle is a USA Today and Amazon best-selling author of now her seventh novel, When We Let Go. And each of her books deals with loss, uh, with how coming together, finding connection with other people can support us as we work through our loss, our grief, and trauma. Rochelle had a very successful career as a entertainment marketing professional and then started writing uh, in between uh, running kids to sports uh, activities and took that and found her voice. And we look forward to you hearing about this novel about two women, a young teenage girl and her almost stepmom who come together in their pain and find their own voice. Welcome to the podcast. I've tried to, with our book recommendations, sort of not always come from the space of grief experts, but come from both fiction and memoir to help people uh, in their grief process. Right, because there's really no expert. Um, we're all, you know, we're all just paddling along. Yeah, and Exactly, exactly. And that's, I mean, I think that's one message that we send often is that you're you're an expert and a novice in your grief. And every one of them is different. Um, and we all grieve differently. Yeah. Um, but I love that the, the um, kind of extra storyline, kind of the mother-daughter relationship between Avery and Elle. And mm-hmm. I thought it was an interesting way to come at that conversation and that relationship with a non-traditional relationship, really. Um, not a, you know... Uh, not even the stepmom, not yeah, even. Yeah, not even. And right. I think there's actually a lot of people in that situation um, where they come and they may not have that official legal title, but they end up uh, walking with someone in their grief um, unexpectedly. But don't you think that that connects, that's what connected people? Like, I think that's what initially attracts people. They see something. They see themselves. Yeah. 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 Well, good. Well, um, I usually do the intros and all that stuff afterwards because I just okay. read off your uh, awesome website and go from there, and it works out great. No um, and um, I've got questions, but uh, we can kind of – it's conversational if you haven't caught on. <laughs> Whatever works for you. Um, well, um, welcome to the podcast, Rochelle. We're so glad you're here. We're excited about this new book that launched this summer, When We Let Go. And um, I, I'll let you know we're going to pick this as one of our fall uh, book reads um, because even though to me it was a good summer read, I'll have to say, um, but uh, summer's gotten by way too fast. <laughs> yes, it has. Um, but 
Uh, I know a, a little bit about your background coming from more from uh, the entertainment uh, marketing world and then uh, finding your voice as a writer, uh, both as a self-published author and a published author, and both are, to me, honestly the same. I think there's been a lot of um, success for self-publishing writers um, because just honestly technology allows for it now, which is great. But um, I'm interested in several of your books. Um, It always seems that you are coming, uh, telling a story of someone who is dealing with some kind of underlying struggle. Many times something related to secrets in their past or, you know, loss that they've experienced. And specifically in this book, um, you kick off with, you know, a proposal, which is supposed to be like the most exciting time for most people. And uh, the the main character, Avery, and I won't give away too much, but uh, she comes at it from her perspective of what's going on. And immediately, I I love how you took the character, and I could relate to it, where she's thinking about all the worst-case scenarios and how can I do this without crushing this person in front of me. At the same time, I don't know if I'm ready for, you know, like she's having this great inner dialogue (laughs) and it it caught me right away because I was like, it wasn't what I expected because I was like, this is a book I think about grief, right? And it was right there. But tell me a little bit about your own story and how you decided to kind of go with this story. What interested you about writing about uh, this woman, Avery, and where she is in the world, I guess is the best way to put it. Well, first, thank you for having me here. I'm thrilled to be here. Um, You know, it's when I was listening to you, I was thinking to myself, all of my books have that thread of some form of loss, grief, overcoming a struggle. And I don't believe that I set out to write about loss and grief. I don't think it was a conscious decision, but seeing these, I'm working on my seventh book and there's another, you know, storyline of loss. Um, I think that it's cliche to say that writers write what they know, but I'm going to say it. I write what I know and what I feel and what I'm familiar with. So the emotions and the struggles that my characters go through I really cull from the emotions that I've experienced, that I've watched people around me experience, and I've fictionalized them for my readers because I, I've learned so much from my own, my own grief, loss, and struggles. And I just feel that through my books, I, I, I want to entertain, but I also want so much to teach. My mom was a teacher. Yeah. I want to teach. I want to impart the lessons I learned. It's sa- save yourself therapy. Read Rochelle Weinstein. Book. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that was just the impetus behind all of these books. This one in particular, this book really started out as a, as a, as a, just putting my feet in the ground. Like it was set upon place. I knew I wanted to write something in Vizcaya. I knew I wanted to write something in the North Carolina mountains, which are very near to my heart. Me as well. And, we'll have a whole discussion yeah. about that next. Oh, <laughs> I love that. We see we are kindreds. I, I can feel that. So I, I just, 
you know, I start with place and then I go to feeling and it always comes back to that feeling. And I did like the complicated relationship. Avery is a woman who has lost um, her. She's lost. She grew up with a father. Her mother wasn't around and she's dating a man who's widowed. So he has his share of loss and he has a, he has three kids, but Avery really butts heads with butts heads, butts heads with the daughter, Avery. I mean, L. And I believe these women saw each other's pain through, through, through these walls that they had built around each other. And it's, you know, it's basically saying how we find those friends and allies in the most unexpected places. So I loved their journey because it was so original. It wasn't like she was her stepdaughter. It wasn't like she right. was her, her best friend. They did not have any connection by blood, by marriage, but their pain really bounds them. Mm. Watching them unravel that pain was truly like one of my favorite. It was one of my favorite books to write. Yeah. Well, I could tell because it was so enjoyable to read their conversations. Um, and speaking of journey, that was one of the things, uh, even though this is a journey of their relationship and a journey through their grief and, and some healing that goes on, there's actually a real journey <laughs> in yeah, the story. A real um, journey. Which I have not made the journey from uh, South Florida to um, the Blue Ridge Mountains. But I've come the other direction. So I've come from the Northeast okay. down through the Blue Ridge Mountains. And the Blue Ridge Mountains are also a favorite place of mine. Beach Mountain is, when I read that, I was like, oh, my goodness. It's like, again, we, we do have some kismet going on. <laughs> because as a young child, we lived outside of Charlotte. And we would go to Beach Mountain as just sort of that weekend getaway kind of thing to go do. You're blowing my mind right now. Yeah. And so to see that, I was like, oh my gosh, this is hilariously funny. And I was just there uh, a week and a half ago. Well, two weeks ago. Yeah. Two weeks ago. um, And it was so beautiful and cool and wonderful. And I'd left, you know, hundred plus degrees here in Dallas. So it was so nice, but I loved that you found two people though. They, though had this loose kind of almost adversarial relationship. I won't try to give out too much, but I mean, Elle's a 15-year-old girl who's lost her mother. She has a lot going on inside. She's pissed. Yeah, and and it's okay to be angry, you know, especially you're you're angry as a young person anyway because the world is so weird and crazy, and then you add grieving someone you love desperately on top of it, and yeah, you're allowed to be angry, and Avery's kind of angry too, but in a different way. Right. You know, she's holding that tube. And then they kind of collide, literally, because <laughs> they're forced to. Because mm-hmm. I love, and I'll, I'll just preface this by, this is one of the important parts of the book, is a long car ride. Getting in a car and driving with someone for a long time um, can be helpful many times and not so much. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I've always... I've always said that some of my most important conversations with my twins when they were growing up were in the car because, you know, they'd be in the back seat, you know, and they're not, you don't have eye contact. So, yes. which I'm, I'm all for eye contact. Don't get right, me wrong. Right. You're in a restaurant if you're facing somebody, but they're behind you. So there's no way that you can make eye contact, but it's, there's, it's almost like this safe space in the car. Mm-hmm. 
where you can just say what you're feeling mm-hmm. and you know, and I think it's, it, it makes it a little bit easier when somebody's not, not looking at you. Yeah. Yeah. So I find car rides can be very therapeutic. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I use that same technique with my own kids. Yeah. Because there's, I think just that face to face is intimidating. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's daunting. And it's can, daunting. Right. But being in the car and it does have that sort of odd, false sense of security, I guess, right. that you're in there and, and, you in can, and you can ask those bigger, bigger questions, I guess, or, right. you know, what, you know, beyond what do you think in today um, right. and be able to, to, to get there. So um, with this book, uh, there is a lot of loss that's experienced by really each of the characters at, at some different level. Uh, you mentioned there is this theme through some of your other books as well as sort of this loss and um, connection. So where does that come from? Yeah, where, where does that come from? But, you know, like, I mean, where does it come from for you, I guess, is the, the question right. to ask. So, um, I, you know, I talk about this all the time. I write about it in my newsletters. I, I feel that disclosing, being, I think authenticity and honesty is so important in life. And I also practice that in my writing. And that's why I hear from people that, you know, the voice was so authentic and so real. And I really tap into those heartfelt emotions. So my dad left when I was a baby mm. and I was the baby of four. And I never lived in a house with my parents. My mother never got remarried. Um, I never saw my parents love each other. Like mm. it was, it was so foreign to me, but I grew up one of those kids that felt like he left because of me. Um, you know, cause my mom was pregnant with me. He'd already had three kids, you know, your, your limited brain as, as a child, you're, that's what you grasp onto. Right. Right. So I always say that my dad left when I was a baby. It's not, it wasn't death, but it felt like death Mm. for me. It was a huge loss. Um, Sometimes I would say it would be easier. I don't even want to say it, but you know what I'm, you know what I'm thinking? Because, you know, then I wouldn't question and wonder, and he was in and out of my life. But there just wasn't that steady presence. There was just such inconsistency. And that, and for me, I, 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 I struggled with depression. I struggled with anxiety, panic disorder. I struggled with low self-esteem. I was angry. I acted out. And listen, I'm, I would never minimize death. I mean, there's losing somebody physically is... And I'll get to that in my life as well. But I went through a myriad of emotions that very much so resembled death. Mm. And um, that sort of was the cornerstone for my growing up, for my adolescence, Mm. for who I was in the world, who I was in my family. And I did eventually go into major therapy. I said to myself, I never want to feel this way again. It's not fair to do to children. It's not fair to do to a partner. And I just said, I can't live like this any longer. And I did get to the root of my emotions. And there was a lot of pain. And, you know, there was a lot of anger. And there was a lot of, um, you know, questioning 
who I am. Mm. And it was coming to terms with who I am, that I am lovable, that I am capable. It was hard work, but I encourage anybody to do it. You know, you, you're, you get to that point where you're like, I can't do this anymore. You've got to fight. You've got to fight. You've got to get up. You, if you saw where my life was 25, 30 years ago, I am not even the same person. And I always say this, I wouldn't change any of it. Right. Yeah. I wouldn't change any of it because it's made me who I am. Yeah. It's made me empathetic. It's made me sympathetic. That's why writing about grief and loss and I still, and I, and I lost my mom. Mm-hmm. My mom ended up dying 10 years ago, pancreatic cancer. And we, I watched her slowly die for two years and I was so angry that God took her, like God chose her. I was so mad. And so I've, I've experienced different kinds of grief in my life. I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've grief of a relationship that was lost to me. Right. I will, I, I, you know, and I agree and I grieved for a relationship that I had and I cherished, but I just, um, I learned so much from my grief and, and you touched on how everybody grieves differently. Like my grieving is very different than the way my sister grieves. And we sometimes butt heads about our grief and she's like, well, this is the way I grieve. And I'm like, well, this is the way I grieve. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, we, we, yeah. It's definitely diff- difficult um, as we're grieving because everyone does sort of do it differently um, for our expectations of others and of ourselves, even um, as we're grieving to, Oh, well, maybe I'm doing it wrong because it, mine doesn't look like theirs. And, right. and I think that's one great thing in the book. You have all these different people who are grieving different things mm-hmm. and they're doing it differently. Right. You know, and even though they're struggling and, and having these confrontations or, or um, challenges with one another, that's, right. that's part of the, the story. I mean, that's just, that's how grief works. But I appreciate the fact that you, it, like in grieving differently than your own sister, uh, have these different characters who come in and they can recognize that in one another that, Oh, okay. That's what this is. This isn't, this isn't them pointing, you know, saying this to me, this is their grief talking. This is their, their pain talking to me. And I need to, to recognize that. You know, I, I think, I think also writers, people in general are afraid to talk about grief and death and dying and loss and pain and struggling. And having been through what I went through, I'm, I'm not afraid. You know, I have a very, I have a friend who lost her son in Champlain towers. He was one of our twins friends since pre-K. They're a mar- remarkable family. And, and then her, the son, the girlfriend also died. And these two families, you you can observe the two of them, one's in Puerto Rico, one's in Miami, how differently they are experiencing grief. And, you know, one is, you know, back at work and, you know, she's making as what whatever normal means, you right, know. Right, exactly. The other, one is not, the other one's still having a very difficult time. Mm-hmm. I... Like our community of friends, they'll be like, oh, have you touched base with Ronit? Have you spoken to her? And 
I dream about Elon, her son, and I will text her. You know, some people are uncomfortable with that type of vulnerability and they're scared they're going to upset somebody. But I think when I'm writing these stories and really getting into people's brains and my own work, I've learned that that's to keeping the person alive. Yeah. When they hear from people, like I'm like, I heard, I, Yvonne was in my dream. He looked so handsome. I don't know what we were talking about. She, she thanks me and she's like, thank you for keeping him alive. And I think it's, I don't, I understand death being an uncomfortable subject, but it shouldn't have to be. It's an important subject. Right. And, and that's one of our ongoing messages through our programs here at Faith mm-hmm. and Grief. Um, one, we think that grieving we need to do in community with one another um, because we if we try to do it by ourselves, it just doesn't usually go well. I mean, it can. I mean, there are people who, who grin and bear it and do that, and, and that may work for them. But right. we do really feel like we need to share. You need to be able to say your loved one's name. Um, you need to be able to tell the stories. And like you said with your friend, sharing that, that her son came across your memory or your dreams and sharing that is important. I mean, listen, uh, it's, it's not comfort. It's, no. uh, it's comfortable to have those conversations. And, but I mean, I, I told you, like I learned to have that empathy and sympathy for others based on my own experiences. I mean, yeah. I'm not comparing them by any stretch, but you know, you, I think to myself, how would I want people to react to me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and and it gets down to just being able to do that, to um, be vulnerable enough yourself to invite their pain right. in too. I mean, exactly. And, and I think exactly. that's I think that's one of the things that happens in that relationship between Avery and Elle. They finally get to a point where they kind of have to do that, though they may be sort of forced into it a little bit, but I love the way you frames that. So they have to be vulnerable to share their enough to share their pain. Yeah. Um, Cause I, I mean, that's very brave. I mean, we say this to the folks who come to right. our programs all the time. Right. Your decision to be here is very brave. It takes a lot of courage to want to show up and talk about your feelings, talk about your loved ones. Cause I promise you there's many people that would avoid this at any cost. Yeah. And, you know, what would the world be like if we could be a little more vulnerable and let people in? Um, and it's Listen, hard, you know, it's hard sometimes as the griever to want to do that. I do know that. If you take death out of the equation, most people aren't comfortable with vulnerability, period, in general. So then you take something as powerful as loss mm-hmm. and it's hard to do. It's tough to do. It's not easy. No, it's not. It, and that's why I think uh, that's what I love about having uh, books like this to share with our community, because for some people, this may be as much as they can do is to right. recognize their own story or recognize their own pain in, in even a fiction novel. Right. And you know, it's great to hear from our grief experts, and there's some really great uh, folks that we get a chance to talk to, and I appreciate that. But for other folks, they need something that is more accessible 
uh, more real. And I think fiction does a wonderful job um, being able to do that. Well, so, you're not hitting them right on the nose with it. Right. It's, it's right. sort of like a subtle, yeah. like little kernel that's being planted. Yeah, yeah. So, and you know, it's entertaining too. So that's, right, that's right. It's not like this, like majorly depressing, like like five hanky read that right. you're just yeah. miserable. So this is not how it ends. The book before when we let go. Um, this book has a tremendous amount of grief. Yes, I'm not just I'm not just trying to plug this, but. So a woman reached out to me on Instagram. Oh, I'm showing you this. Hey, that's I'm... okay. Uh, this is not how it ends, is the book yeah. uh, previous to uh, when yes. we let go. So. And there's there's loss in this book, a lot. And a woman reached out to me on Instagram, and she basically said that she'd been holding on. She had been so hurt. She lost her husband young, young kids. And how this book touched her so and opened her eyes into how she was not healing and how she was holding on. And she just saw the the death perspective from a completely different standpoint after reading the book. I was crying. She was crying. We still talk. She wants to write a book. Like when it's the husband's birthday, I'm like, oh, happy birthday. Like, and those are such important connections. Yeah. Like, I feel like she thinks I'm a gift. In her life, she's the gift in my life. Yeah. And and that's just it. Uh, if we're able to be vulnerable with one another and share some mm-hmm. of this pain with one another and make those connections, right. it only makes our life that much richer. I mean, we, we all know what friendship can do for us, but sometimes mm-hmm. it's those um, connections through pain that uh, elevate us in a different way. Um, well, you feel seen when someone really understands what you're going through. And again, I don't understand what Ronit's going through with, the, with, you know, her son, right. but when someone even attempts to understand, you feel seen. Yeah. Which is really important. I mean, that's what we all really want. And especially right. even though it feels so disconnected at the, at the time, but especially when we're suffering, especially when we're going through some of the most difficult times of our lives. Um, I tell folks in our workshop, um, I, I call the, the folks who show up the muckers because I'm a, I'm a horse girl, and uh, when you have to clean out the stall so the horse doesn't get poop everywhere, you didn't know your conversation was going to go to poop today. Um, you have to literally clean out the stall so the horse doesn't get sick and all. This is stuff. where we. This is where we differ. Okay, okay, this is our differing thing. Yeah, it's it's like the last thing most people want to do, but there are people who will show up and help you, and help uh, scrape out the crap. Um, and those people are really important. Those are angels on earth. That's they are. They totally are, and we have to recognize that. Well, um, yeah. talking of our connection, so how does how did Beach Mountain get into the to the novel? Um, because it's a special place to me, and it sounds like it is too. Okay. So I, m- my mom used to um, be head of the Girls Hill at a camp in Hendersonville, North Carolina, which isn't far. Yep. So starting from the age of four, we were in the, the station wagon driving up to the mountains, and we'd spend our summers in Hendersonville. You know there's a smell. I don't know what, if it's Fraser fur. I don't know what it is. It is a distinct smell of my childhood. Yep. 
and it just evokes the most beautiful memories. So I would say I went, I went to the camp there until probably middle school, high school. And then my husband and I eventually got married. And then we used to take the kids up to the mountains and we would go to Blowing Rock and we'd go to Boone and we'd go to, anyway, we had friends with a house in Beach Mountain. So we went to visit them and that was it. We were just like, we're done. We love it. And we would rent a house there every summer, you know, just for a couple of weeks. And now um, we have a little, we have a little, um, cabin in the mountains there that's awesome so we've owned for about 11 years and it's just it is the most cathartic place it's beautiful it is healing you you can't help but feel you are one with earth yeah like i know that sounds so hokey and whatnot and i'm I'm with you i'm a miami city girl and all that stuff but when I am there, I am a, I, I think I was a mountain girl in another life. I'm just so, I'm just so happy there. I'm at peace. Yeah, I, I totally agree. There is a smell there, um, mm-hmm. the Blue Ridge Mountains that I, I, I mean, I've lived all over the country and it's still one of my f- most favorite places. Um, and it, it does feel, I think because it's so dense, like the forests and everything, it feels very, you can feel very quick to get out of civilization (laughs) and it's just beautiful. And I do think, I think it's a very sacred place. It's just, it's one of those thin places where you're more connected to the spiritual, your spiritual life, your spiritual world. Um, So I think it's just, it's cool. So yeah. Because there's no clutter, you know, there's just no clutter crowding your brain when you're there. Yeah. So it's good. Well, I, I was so glad to see that added to this novel because, um, and especially kind of coming from South uh, South Florida, where, you know, completely different environment, you you know, you're going from, we were talking earlier about uh, humidity, and you're going from this heavy-duty stuff um, to a place that's, that's like you said, cathartic. It's cleansing. Um, there's something. And, and I know for some people, the beach does that, and I totally, yeah. I totally get that, too, because, uh, but to me, I'm, I think I, too, was a mountain person. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, it feels... It feels better. Well, um, these two characters of Avery and Elle, uh, to me, they're very different, but they're also very similar. Um, Elle's sort of this, you know, like I said, teenager, firecracker person who, who, you know, she's got a, she, she's got a reason to have a chip on her shoulder, but she's, you know, ready. She's ready for a fight, you know, like she's ready to, she's got the comeback. And then Avery is in her head all the time. Of course, it, once you read the novel, you'll know why, but, um, some of the other characters, like Jude, where did Jude come from? Well, first of all, this is a fun tip. Jude is named after the character in A Little Life. I don't know if you read that book, but it is one of the most depressing books. There's, I, I've never cried hard, harder in the ending of a book than mm-hmm. A Little Life. So the similarity ends right there. It's just the name. But it's interesting, you know, you got me thinking, now I I chose this character, and he had all this loss. But Jude's character, um, you know, it's funny. Jude, Marty, Philip, a lot of my characters for all of my books are very much... I don't want to say, because he's over there listening. (laughs) They're very similar to my husband. Mm like these really good men 
And yes, I mean, Jude lost his wife. So, you know, he doesn't, you know, he had a, a major struggle, but just men who, who love unselfishly. Yeah. And the women around them are all, wow, they're all Rochelle. They're all hurting. They're all struggling and they're on, they're all unable to see their potential and the love that they can give because they're hampered by some loss. So there's a lot of that. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that, that Jude, you know, even though he's sort of dealing with his own grief, Mm -hmm. um, he's sort of like this touch point person for, for Avery, for Elle, for the kids. Um, and so we run into those people too, you know, that, that are just sort of the person that helps us check in, you know, with where we are and what's changing or evolving in ourselves. And I, I appreciated that because I think sometimes um, we don't, we sometimes those characters aren't developed well. Uh, let's just put it out there that, that way. And so I think it was great that you had that person, both Thank for you. Avery, for Elle. Um, but I think it could also make people hopefully think about who that person is for them. Person is for them. Sure. Yeah, Cause I, I think person. That, that's part of the, the process in grief is being able to identify the people who can support you and, and shelter you if they need to um, through the process. Um, many times as we're grieving, I hear it over and over again, they folks feel alone and it's because that grief that's internal, what's going on, it, it is because it's inside of us, but how we're showing it on the outside and the mourning part is just, it's what people can see. And unless we kind of join the two together, it's hard for people to know how to help, how to help, how to support. Don't you also think that holding on to that grief, how could anyone possibly understand how I'm feeling if they haven't been through it? So you feel why should I say something? Because they're not going to understand because they're not going through it. It's it's so personal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think many times people feel like that. And, you know, that's kind of one of the reasons we even exist is to be able right. to get together with other people who've experienced the death of a loved one. Mm-hmm. And it may not be the exact same situation. You may not have experienced your grief in the same ways, but much of the stories will resonate with one another. And if nothing else, just being able to be, like you said, seen and heard is healing. Uh, We also don't promise that you will ever be healed of your grief. It just changes. Yes. And so it's something that will be with you at some level. And I think that's what's good about the book is there's not like a, oh, like now we've had closure and everything's hooray because it doesn't really work that way. Um, it can get better. It can feel different, but uh, I don't want to give the the end of the book away. So we right. won't, we won't go there, but, no, but, but it definitely changes. And I, you have to trust time. Yeah. Grief. Time is, it's the days are long, but you got to take one day at a time. Yeah. They always say the days are, are long and the years are short. Yeah, and, sure. yeah. They say that with kids, but it's the same thing with it, grieving. It is. It is. Um, so tell me a little bit about your mom. 
um, because I do know from uh, the earlier interview that I heard that the book came out on her birthday this year, and I think that's uh, really cool. Um, You know, one of the ways that I deal with my grief and losing my mom is that I truly believe that my mom is with me. Like, I have picked butterflies, and when I see a butterfly, my mom is floating outside my window. And there's so many coincidences when she shows up. So that gives me strength. It doesn't make me sad. It makes me happy knowing that she's around me. And then when the publishing house told me randomly that the book was releasing on her birthday, I knew that that was another message for her. I feel like you have to be open to the signs and willing. And I think it's hard for people to accept someone is gone and they fight it, but you have to accept it in order to get to that point where you're willing to see, to let the signs in. My sister doesn't believe in any of the signs. (laughs) this is the thing we fight over. She's like, I don't see anything, but you know, she's still angry. She's still very upset. She 10 years and she's not over it. But my mom was a teacher and um, she raised four kids mostly on her own. And her loss was big and it's still hard to believe, but I feel like everything I do, the way I raise my children, my mother's with me. She's there. In our house, we have what's called the Grammy rule. And my kids know the Grammy rule. Like, what would grandma say if she knew you were doing this, this, or this? You know, she's, we we talk about her. She's in our lives. There's pictures of her. And certainly we want her back here. But we've um, we've made a place for her in our lives. And I tell myself that she's with me. She's watching. She's there for every one of my successes. And when my when my when my um when the book came out on her birthday, and I knew she was with me, when they did the design the cover, there was a butterfly, and they didn't know anything about my butterfly obsession with my mom. So I take these things and I hold on to them. They're sacred and they're meaningful, and they give me strength and they give me courage. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. At that about and what was your mom's name? Ruth. Ruth. I love Ruth. That's a great name. Well, um, Rochelle, thank you so much for sharing this book, uh, sharing these characters and your creativity and your gift for writing uh, with uh, everyone. And um, uh, folks can go to your website and find out mm-hmm. more about the book, but also your other books. Um, they can find the book uh, pretty much everywhere. Um, and we'll have that on our website as well at faithandgrief.org. Um, so folks can, uh, learn more about you and, uh, learn more about these, uh, this great story about loss and healing. It's called hope and healing, letting in, letting go, hope and healing and a difficult subject, but you've made it an enjoyable conversation. Well, good. Thanks for joining us here on the faith and grief podcast. Your support makes this service available to all who are grieving. If you'd like to support the Faith and Grief podcast, go to faithandgrief.org slash give and offer a donation for our next episode.